Welcome to Reforming Slavics. Today, uh, I'm Nick and, and I'm Tom. So we're, we're talking about Judges 19 and I have, I'm going through a Bible study program where you read 10 chapters a day, mm-hmm. but the chapters are from different books. I told you about this and usually I go, just go in order and go from, you know, if it's Luke, then it's Ecclesiastes, then Corinthians and but when I stumbled upon chapter 19 of Judges, I'm like, oh, I need to read ahead. Oh, I need to read ahead. And it's the next three chapters. Uh, some have called Judges 19 through 21 like the most gruesome story in the entire Bible. A lot of people question why why is it even in the Bible. Like, it's so atrocious. It's so... It, it makes you feel... Very uncomfortable, especially reading it, right? This yeah. is this is one of the stories that you will never hear about in Sunday school. Yeah, probably something that you probably wouldn't read to your kid before bed. Oh, definitely not, right? <laughs> uh, of, uh, of Judges is the last portion of the book of Judges, right? Judges starts with the death of Caleb and his son becoming the first judge, and it ends with um, there was no king in the land of Israel, and everyone did yeah. what they thought was right in their own eyes. And then it continues on to Samuel and eventually the development of a kingdom of Israel. But um, Judges 19 through 21 um, captures a horrific event that started with a sin of adultery idolatry, and ended in an actual civil war, the first civil war Israel ever had in regards to the New Promised Land. Um, and so the story goes like this. Um, there is a Levite, and Levites lived amongst the entire nation of Israel because they didn't have an appointed lot of land to them. They were Levites were in every single region of the new promised land. That's how God appointed them because they were designated to worship and be in charge of worship. And so this particular Levite was, I believe from the hill country of Ephraim and Bethlehem, Bethlehem, obviously the town where David was born, the town where Jesus came from. And so, he had a concubine, and meant, this story is essentially entitled the, con- the Levi and his concubine. Note that it's not his wife. Um, back in the time of Israel, concubines had much less rights than wives, right? There was no legal... Um, think about it this way. In the modern day, we have a crisis in marriage, uh, and yeah. a lot of uh, like red pill, hardcore Republican... Guys are like, well, I'm not going to get married because in two years, my wife is going to divorce me and take 50% of my income. And I want to protect myself from that because I'm a future millionaire or some yeah. some kind of story like that. And so there are all these cohabiting relationships where people don't get married and they just kind of live together. Yeah. Like and, there's a ton of examples of like Abraham having it, you know, like David. But I think we could significantly see that. God never blessed those kind of marriages. Yeah, like, because... He never talked positively about them. Because marriage was supposed to be <clears throat> to becoming one. And in this sense, yes, they were technically married, but there weren't much protections for her. And so she ends up committing adultery, which is the beginning of the story. Like, that's what sparks the story. She cheats on him and runs away to his father's house. Mm-hmm. And so he pursues her and talks nicely to her and tries to get her back. And there is this interesting, almost annoying storyline where they stay at his father's house and 
the next day they want to leave and the father makes them stay and have food and enjoy the day. And so it's too late to leave. And that happens over and over till the fifth day. And when I was reading it, like seems so weird and bizarre and kind of annoying. Like if that was me and, and his shoes, they just want to go. But I, I believe that's there to contrast the fact that this father was so hospitable to them in a contrast of what's going to happen just the evening after. Mm. Um, yeah. And so they reach a city called Giba and Giba it, or Gibeah, right? I, I don't know how people pronounce it uh, is essentially a city located in ben, Benjamin's territory. The, the clan of banishment occupied this territory. And, and that was notice. One thing is that um, they, they decided to go to a place of Israel, right? In, yes. Instead of the land of pagans. Like, it was almost supposed to be a better thing, but it turned out to be worse, ironically. So, yeah, there's a city called Jebus, which is essentially Jerusalem, and they avoided it purposefully, knowing that uh, their kindred, their brothers, would take care of them better than the the people who they were supposed to conquer and kick out of the promised land. The the godless people. And uh, here's the irony, though, right? Yeah. They would have not encountered the scenario they're coming to encounter. In other words, God is showing in this narrative that not only were they evil, but yeah. they were just as bad, or if not worse, than the surrounding nations around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you could say they were worse because of the uh, circumstances that occur right after, right? They come to Gibeah, no one takes them in. Again, the contrast of hospitality where the father makes them stay five days, right? He welcomes them, and the contrast is they're left in the city square. Now, I believe it was pretty common for people to just, you know, show up, and if there's no inns or if there's no place they can stay, they'll just stay in the city street. It's safer than staying staying out in the field somewhere, right? But there's a man who actually doesn't live there. He's just a traveler as well, an old man who invites them in and begs them not to stay in the city um, square, almost like... Um, prefacing that something wicked would come of them if they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, this is a rhyme of history. A lot of people say history doesn't beat, it rhymes. This is a rhyme repeated right um, in the line of Sodom and Gomorrah. Recognize the similarities. One, the person who, there are uh, strangers who come into a land. The person who invites them into the home is himself not from the land where they come, Right. The, the, the old man is not from that town. He's a stranger. So, uh, two, um, there is a crowd of people that gather around the um, town. Where, I mean, the the build the building, the house where they stay, yeah. and the desire of the crowd is to essentially sodomize the Levite. Now, again, referencing back to Sodom and Gomorrah, these were people who wanted to rape the two angels that came to Lot's house and because God was planning to destroy the cities the angels blinded the people they got wearied out of trying to grasp for the door and they were able to leave the city and in this case it's it's what happens when God does not intervene Yeah, the people gather in a fuss and fury trying to yell and you know get the Levite to come out. The old man refuses and says, here is my daughter and his concubine. Take them and do with them what you will and leave him alone. Right? 
Um, and then there's a lot of criticism that goes around in that particular point of the story because, well, what are they to do? Right? Some people say it's the choosing of between lesser of two evils. Some people say they should have been men and protected them until death. Right? But the reality was that that's what they chose to do. And um, instead of the daughter and the concubine, the Levite grabs the concubine and lets them have her. Uh, and essentially, they abuse her, rape her. Uh, all night, and then she is found dead in the morning at the threshold of the house. In other words, if you look back at Sodom and Gomorrah, God literally wiped out to the, I mean, to the foundation of the city, the people that did that. And mm-hmm. here we see an ominous prediction of what's going to happen with the Benjamites. Um, noting also that these are not some kind of pagan or some kind of uh, you know evil and people that never knew the Lord and their Sodom God. Sodom and Gomorrah was Sodom and Gomorrah. Literally, Sodom and Gomorrah are the um, baseline for evil cities, right? If you want to, if you want to determine how evil someone or some city is, you'd be like, well, are they as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah? And in this case, Gibeah actually was just as bad. But more so because they knew the law of God. They've experienced, their, their forefathers experienced the sea, Red Sea parting. They've experienced the water coming out of a rock. They've experienced the manna falling from heaven. And they knew God's law. Yeah. And in fact, this guy was a Levite, someone who represented God himself. And so there is this, um, I mean, there's multiple meanings thrown, layered on top of each other, right? It's a Levite who's come to the city and they rape his concubine. And so... That just shows that there's no nothing holy left in in Israel. There's no reverence for God, no um, recognition of His law. It is the full um, animalistic debauchery that can only come from um, people whose hearts have become purely overcome with desire and lust. And so, the story begins with adultery and ends with um, essentially the death of almost 100,000, probably 80,000 people, plus or minus. And after they find her, the Levite picks her up, carries her to his home, and he takes a knife and he cuts her into 12 pieces and distributes those 12 pieces amongst the 12 tribes of Israel in the um, hope and, and the expectation that everyone will be so flustered and enraged that they would gather to discuss what to do next with Benjamin because this was not only a crime that was committed against one person but essentially it was the the final straw that broke in regards to the depravity of Israel right yeah because you read all through judges and this story is towards you know kind of towards the end of judges and it's kind of a climax um, it's how bad they can get. Yeah. And it's like you see every single other example, like up to judges, like, oh yeah, Gideon, you know, he seemed good at first, but then later on he fails and then you get... Worships other gods and his kids all yeah. become corrupt. You get other judges and then you eventually get to like Samson, who's like, all right, he doesn't even start out good. He's well, just yeah, like he bad sleep- from the start. He, he sleeps with prostitutes. He kills people he breaks the laws of god by eating unclean things he d- 
does not listen to his parents in regards to marriage. He just, he is, the only thing that Samson has going for him is he does not cut his hair up to a point. That's the only obedience he has. And then after that, um, God obviously restores him and he kills everyone in a self-suicide. Yeah, and I think like, suicide. I think the this verse kind of, you know, is repeated throughout Judges and it's the very last verse in Judges, right? Chapter 21, verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's kind of the theme, like, because they have forsaken God as their king, and because uh, this pretty much leads to everyone doing their own thing. Yeah, and not only that, but the way they go about punishing Benjamin is essentially genocidal. They gather... About 400,000 men, all of Israel essentially gathers against Benjamin, and they select a certain group of people, and they go to battle. And the, the fascinating thing is they incline of the Lord if they should go about to battle against Benjamin. And the first... Is, is Benjamin the city Gib, so Giba is in it? Yeah, Giba is in the land, uh, the allotted land of Benjamin. Yeah. And so when they're going against Giba, they're essentially going against the tribe of Benjamin. Mm. And... Um, they, they, they first request that the men who perpetrated this and the elders would be given to them in order they may be judged properly, but uh, Giba refuses that. And so uh, Benjamin summons their men to war, and Israel summons the, 12, well, the 11 tribes that are left over to war. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and in fact, like the, the odds are incredible. I believe Benjamin only had like 26,000 men. Versus the 400,000 that Israel had. And obviously they didn't go to war with all of the 400,000. But the first battle occurs and 22,000 Israel men die. And this is after the Lord tells them to go. to go. Yeah, go. And it happens again. They, they come back and they inquire of the Lord. And they go to war again. And the second day, 18,000 men die. And so... There is this judgment that occurs where no one's safe. Israel gets punished by the the decimation of 40,000 men. And Benjamin, against the hope, is still holding out. But in the very next day, they plead and offer sacrifices to God again. And in this time, God says, go forth and I will deliver them into your hand. And then they set up a strategic position where they have people who are set aside to ambush. Uh, Israel goes against Geba and Benjamin. Benjamin is lured out. Then the city is infiltrated, starts burning. Benjamin turn around. Israel pursues and pretty much wipes out almost all of Benjamin. About 25,000 men, not including women and children. Essentially, Benjamin is decimated to the point of genocide. There was almost no men left. Except for 600. So out of, when I say what, if you double the population, let's say there's 25 or 26,000 men, 26,000 women plus 3,000, like 60,000, out of 60,000 people, 600 are left. Yeah. And they, it says that they keep on asking the Lord, like, what should we do? So we go against our brothers. And the Lord keeps saying, go up for tomorrow, give them into your hand. So God ultimately wanted this to be a punishment right on Benjamin 
Yeah, but no, I don't think just a Benjamin. This is this is a this isn't a culmin just another culmination of the punishment that Israel deserves, right? Prior to this, God punished them through other neighboring nations like the Amalekites, like uh, Amorites, and the Philistines coming and raiding them, them and, and putting them under, um, having to pay tribute, and all these these yeah. scrimmages. But this time, God punishes Israel through civil war. Hmm. And this is, again, the, the, the fact that this starts with adultery, idolatry, of of a woman and, and, and adultery. a man, like adultery, right? This this signifies the fact that God has been rejected, and Israel goes whoring after all the other idols of the land. And the problem here is no one thinks it's a bad, big, big deal or a bad idea. And that, that's that's the culmination of the verse here, right? No one, everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel, no king at all. And so they rejected God's standard, God's law. And the escalation always, you know, accumulated to the fact where thousands and hundreds of thousands of people died. And, and, and all the judges, you see the constant overtaking, the constant oppression of Israel. And the reason they're being oppressed is because they're worshiping false gods. And after the decimation, the almost genocide of Benjamin with 600 people left, again, the punishment that God in, um, deals out to Benjamin was not God's idea, right? It's Israel who got it's it's the Levi who chops up the twelve pieces, and it's, uh, Israel who goes to go, goes to war against Benjamin. This was not decreed by God, but this is the punishment of God on a people who reject Him. There, there is no right or wrong in this case, right? They're just going by the seat of the pants. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the punishment that they deal out because they don't have a standard. This is not according to God's standard, but there is no standard anymore. Mm-hmm. And so after that, uh, they recognize that Benjamin will in fact be cut off. Yeah. There will no longer be 12 tribes. There will only be 11. And they create this weird and elaborate plan. And this shows you the uniqueness of Israel where they hold to a oath that they made to themselves and they don't want to be cursed. And the oath was that None of them would give any daughters to marry Benjamin. None of them would give wives to Benjamin. And so there's this issue. There's 600 men left. No women that can be given to to them from Israel. And they have to marry within Israel. So the, the clan of Benjamin was just going to die out. And so to go around this weird oath that, that they will keep, even though they don't keep God's law and God's standards and they worship false gods... This oath they do decide to keep, and um, they go in a roundabout way by saying, "We won't, we won't give you the wives, but during this feast you can go and kidnap them yourselves, and therefore we're not culpable in giving them." And then when people ask, we'll say, "Well, we can't really take them, so it it'll be a roundabout way where we get to keep our oath, and you can repopulate Benjamin." Yeah, and and so like if you look through this story. Uh, there's adultery, there's sodomy, there's rape, there's murder, there's debauchery, there's kidnapping, and the story doesn't conclude in a um, any pleasant sense. There's no goodness in the end of the story. The judgment that incurs that Israel incurs is bad. Like there is no both the judgment on Israel 
and Benjamin. Like, if you were going to view the story in a, in a way where you would find it satisfying and be like, oh. Um, You're like, where's the good guy? Yeah, where is the good guy? And, if you know, Israel's the good guy. And so they war against Benjamin. And from the first battle, they just subdue him and there's no more issues with them. No, God twice has, you know, almost 20,000 people annihilated from Israel before they even scratch Benjamin. And so it's a tragedy. There's just pain, suffering, and the judgment and the repercussion of, I mean, decades of whoring after false gods. Yeah. So would you say in Judges there is no good guys, really? There are good guys. But in this story, it is the recognition that when when we go decide to go to the we want to be your own gods right the, the promise of Satan to Eve mm-hmm. and your eyes will be open and you will know good from evil or in other words you will decide what is good and evil and you will be like God knowing good and evil that promise um, when people start living that way there is a quick degeneration into pure animalistic um, desires right. Like sodomy, the, the, the actual, like the word sodomy refers to, and we know it today, right? From what, 6,000 years ago, we know that word still today. And it references the worst possible thing that you can occur is to rape and abuse a foreigner that comes to your town in seek, seeking a shelter. Meaning, you yeah. that's how, you know. Through, through homosexuality. Yeah. And so... What God is saying is Israel had fallen past the level of Sodom and Gomorrah at this point. And what did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? He rained brimstone and hellfire upon them. He wiped them out. Right? There was there there was nothing left of them, not even the foundations. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how this story kind of is surrounded by other examples of like leaders throughout judges yeah um because right we have all these other leaders you know like samson who god used like when we're talking about good guys like this story has no good guys like not at all like 19 to the end if you if you read the book of judges to your point the good guys get progressively worse yeah like first we have good guys that actually accomplish god's will and they are faithful to him, and then slowly it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, to the point where there is no judge, there is no one that could uphold the standard of God because the standard of God has been forgotten. The law of God has been rejected. Yeah, yeah, because you have like, you know, Deborah, Barack, not Barack, Barack, yeah, yeah, Barack, Obama. It's it's either Barack or Brock, right? <laughs> and then. You know, Gideon, who was was decent, but he ended not too well. Well, yeah, toward the end, he went back to the ways of, of worshiping false gods. You know, Jephthah, he did how did thing. he do? He did pretty well. Well, he kind of, <laughs> I believe he's the one who promised his daughter to be sacrificed. Is that correct? Was that him? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when some people say it was just to sacrifice her virginity, which is fine, but still, he... He wasn't very um, in in the sphere of you know knowing God's law, and then you, after that, Samson, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And Samson is essentially a big buff guy who uh, sleeps with prostitutes and kills people. That's that's the form in which he takes of judging. I did mention this before on the phone with you. Like, if you look at all the judges, almost none of them would qualify to be elders of the, of the church today, right? The characteristics that they have and the the who they are as imperfect human beings, they yeah. are they are far from perfect. Do you think that's because they have like they they had a different standard? God had a different standard in the Old Testament, or just it was the same standard as just they were they uh they were do, bad yeah do you think it's is different now that we have the holy spirit um like, i, I in, think christians are different in some instances but also christians are capable of grave sin and very deep wickedness um that does not mean that they are forsaken by god but there is a need for repentance like in samson's case he recognizes that he had sinned against God and he asks God to restore his strength one last time. Um, the Old Testament is not far from where we live today. We clearly sacrifice babies in the altar of Moloch, right? We butcher and destroy unborn human beings to the point where it is um, not only uh, you know tolerated, but celebrated, yeah. We, um, well, th- we have different gods that we celebrate. Yeah, we. It's we, not a. It's not a physical statue, but it, we our our gods are career and um and pro- living our own the pride flag. Yeah, right. And so, so like, we 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 have the embrace and celebration of <clears throat> uh, sodomy in the United States. We have the celebration of wickedness and. Um, our leadership and uh, federal government is corrupt and so they do not practice justice and so you see the degradation of people who just a hundred years ago had the word of God in awe and respect rejecting it have denigrated it and have become an immoral mm-hmm. people who hate life and love I mean who was it? I think someone mentioned um, the, I don't even know, was it the Grammys or something? Some guy dressed up like the devil and danced around. I didn't even know about it until someone texted. I, I think I saw a Babylon B meme about it. Um, I think it was like Satan wants to distance himself from the Grammys <laughs> because they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is the worship. And the again, the postmodern age has brought in people who think that they can define the truth that they can self-reference for what is good and what is bad. And that's what the judges did. They forsook God's law and propped up their own standard. And th- that that resulted in um, the genocide of almost an entire tribe, the decimation of almost 100,000 people, and the result in, you know, the way they solved an issue with vows, they just said, hey, yeah. go kidnap and... Um, force yourselves upon women yeah you think on the bigger scale like where does judges fit within the bible because um right like some atheists like to point out like if you just read this story like why is this even in the bible why is this despicable thing like the concept of rape you know is like 
conjured up in the Bible. It's it's like is this like I thought the Bible was supposed to give good examples on how how to get to heaven. Well, the beautiful thing about the Bible, one reason we hold that it's true, is because it characterizes and it points out the flaws in its characters. God shows clearly that, the, you know, if, if the Bible was written by people who wanted to be portrayed in it well, then people would write only the good things that they've done, all the great heroic deeds they, they've accomplished. And we kind of know the Bible is true, and one essence of that is the Bible writes about the horrible things that its characters did. And this is the pit in which the, the people mm-hmm. of Israel found themselves without God and the beginning of Samuel the very next book is the slow rebuilding of God's law and God's justice being applied to Israel yeah right it's the it's the rebuilding that led up to Saul and eventually David and David is the father and his he is the um, essentially the giver of life to Jesus whose throne will never be overthrown he will be the king of kings and he in fact like it, may, it might sound cheesy and very like red like like people use this rhetoric right Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament kings and he is and when judges says there was no king there was a king in fact, there was no king in Israel that they could see, but in fact, God, Jesus Christ, was the king of Israel. They just rejected his rule. And yeah. the rejection, it always equals like this. When you reject God's rule, you rule over yourselves, and you happen to be the most wicked thing on this earth. Your heart is deceitfully wicked, right? We human beings are... Um, I think also another another reason this is in the Bible is because a lot of people think that humans are basically good and this this book just disproves that to a T to to the period yeah to where even ungodly people would find this absolutely despicable yeah you know people say well uh, moral morality is arbitrary not when you read judges 20 19 through 21 Morality stops becoming arbitrary or subjective. It becomes real. And you recognize that, I mean, this story is worse than any Game of Thrones TV show that's out there today, right? It's awful. It's heart-wrenching. It's um, disgusting to read. And yet God uses it to portray what it looks like to separate yourself from the law of God. Yeah, you know, from... uh from Judges, there is a, like the next chapter, or the next part is like Ruth, isn't it? Yeah. And with, I believe I believe Ruth was probably at the period, like during the period of the Judges. Hmm. Um, it's just like a, it's a zooming in into the period of the Judges. Yeah. And then uh, the next chronological history is probably Samuel. Eli. And then because Eli is Samuel's mentor, Samuel grows up. After Samuel, it's the appointing of an actual king because Israel wanted a king. And God says, "You have not. they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. And it's not that Israel shouldn't have a king. It, was, it wasn't against God's law to have a king. It was against God's law to have a king in the order that the other nations around them had a king. Yeah. And so that results in... Saul, who eventually is yeah. superseded by David. 
because we talked about this and like we're looking at first samuel in a bible study and how like there was a king that god was supposed to set up david was going to be king and you know saul saul was before that right yes but the problem like you just said they they wanted a king that would look like the other kings around them because in deuteronomy we read that no it's good i will he like god says i will set up a king yeah so that that was that but was it was the come, wrong motives definitely and even if you read the beginning <clears throat> of samuel you could see the era of the judges continuing right like the the transition between judges and samuel is is 21, right? As, as Judges 21. Everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And that resulted in the Ark of the Covenant being um, overtaken and plundered as plunder from a battle from Israel, right? And both the sons of Eli die. And he hears about this, falls back on his um, neck and it breaks it. And there's a grandson that's born to Eli. And mm. as his mother is dying, he's named Ichabod which means the glory of God has departed from Israel. In the same vein where... Wait, when, when, where was that? That's First Samuel. I mean, second or First Samuel? The first two chapters? Ichabod? I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Essentially, during the capture of the Ark of the Covenant, it's Samuel chapter 4, actually. My bad. So this whole time in Judges, they still had the Ark? Yes. But again, but how was their, that? their Levites were, uh, you know, abusing their, their concubines and, and living in ways that... But it seems like things were worse in Judges than in Samuel. It It, it is the... I guess... <laughs> like, the, why didn't the glory of the Lord depart then? It was... It did. The whole point was... So, right, in the last portion of chapter 4, it says, Now when the daughter-in-law wife of Phineas was pregnant she gave birth and when she heard the news the ark of the god was captured and her father-in-law and her husband were dead she bowed and gave birth for her pains came upon her and about that time her de- about the time of her death a woman attended to her said to her do not be afraid for you have borne a son but she did not answer or pay attention and the na- and she named the child Ichabod saying the glory of god has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured, and because her father-in-law and her husband, and she said, the glory of God has departed from Israel, for the ark of the covenant has been captured. Hmm. And obviously the ark is returned later on, but this just shows the state where people had rejected God's law, and so God rejected them. This is the falling of the curse that God mentions in the end of Deuteronomy, where he says, if you disobey me, this is the curse that will fall upon you. And as soon as, like, literally, as soon as Caleb dies, who is the, the last, um, you know, the last hold to the old guard of Moses and Joshua and Caleb, as soon as he dies, the first, uh, the, Caleb's son, he's the first judge, and Israel just jumps off a cliff into debauchery, which results in the Ark of Carmen being captured and the, them installing a king. Yeah. And it was because people didn't. They didn't have the standard of God's word, right? Yeah. The they law did, was completely disregarded. Did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope people learn from this. Yeah, read Judges 19 through 21. 
see what you think about it. Recognize the depth of the pain and the suffering that can occur when you reject God's law. When you say you want to determine what is good and bad for yourself. You'll have marauding hordes of sodomites trying to um, destroy and rape every single foreigner. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs>